Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of trekking through compliance. His mission: to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking through compliance, episode fifty-nine, and the children shall lead. My personal pick for the worst TOS episode ever. In this episode of it, Tracking Through Compliance, we consider the episode and the children shall lead, which aired on November, excuse me, October 11, 1968, and occurred on Stardate 5027.3. Story synopsis. When the Enterprise responds to a distress call on the scientific colony Triacus, Bones, Kirk, and Spock discover all of the adults have committed suicide using the drug Xylotin. Kirk spots a single survivor, Professor Starnes, but he does not seem to recognize Kirk and subsequently dies in Kirk's arms. A recording reveals the colonists felt compelled to destroy themselves to escape what they call the enemy within. However, the children of the, co- uh, the colonists uh, appear to be in fine health and pay no attention to the absence of their parents. They are beamed up to the Enterprise, and an examination by McCoy re- reveals nothing amiss. Kirk tries to question the children, and they find finds out they hated the planet, and that were resentful that their parents liked it so much. Before Kirk could find out anything else, the children begin repeating, busy, 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 and refuse to say anything more. Kirk tries talking to Tommy alone, but he only repeats the behavior of his friends. When they are left alone, the children perform a summoning ritual for their friendly angel. The angel gives them instructions for their next task, which consists of bringing the Enterprise to Marcus 12 instead of Kirk's intended route to Starbase 4. On Marcus 12, the angel promises that they will find many friends to make them strong, and this will allow them to take over the universe and allow the children unlimited freedom of play, I guess uh, recess all day instead of school. The children prepare to use their strange powers to influence the minds of the crew and take the Enterprise out of orbit into Marcus 12. Clues to events which take place on Triacus are given by a series of recorded messages by Professor Starnes. The document, these document the onset of paranoia and loss of control over actions immediately following the excavation of certain caves by Wilkins. At this juncture, Tommy enters the bridge and uses the opportunity to cause the tape to malfunction before his father's message can be completed. Tommy remains on the bridge after Kirk and Spock leave in private to consult. Tommy influences Sulu to leave orbit, giving him the illusion that the viewing screen shows the Enterprise to still be in orbit. When Uhura notices the Enterprise is no longer in orbit, she confronts Trulu, Sulu, but the children soon give her the same illusion as Sulu. In the engine room, another child causes two engineers to guard the controls and knock out Scotty when he tries to get them back and put the Enterprise back on course. Spock and Kirk listen to the rest of Dr. Starn's tapes in private and find out that he was being influenced to do things against his will, sending a request, including requesting the starship Enterprise from Starfleet despite the fact he had no need for it. Consulting the computer's memory banks, Spock discovers a legend that Triacus was previously inhabited by a band of marauders who ter- terrorized the Epsilon Indy system. The legend also maintained that the marauders were eventually wiped out and are waiting to return and maraud again. Kirk beams down with a pair of guards to take over the security attachment on Triacus, assuming that the Enterprise and still is in, in orbit since he has given no orders for it to do otherwise. When he then 
attempts to beam up the security attachment, Spock is unable to lock on, and Kirk is forced to face the fact that he has just beamed two men into a vacuum. When Kirk and Spock rush to the bridge, they look at the a- they get a look at the alien influence the children. Kirk commands Sulu and Uhura to change course and send a message to Starfleet, but the children make Sulu see a passage of knives and Uhura see herself as old and sick and neither carries out the order. Kirk then orders Spock to send the message to Starfleet, but he is unable to obey. When Kirk tries to order the security guard to confine Sulu to quarters, the children cause his speech to sound garbled. Kirk then becomes paranoid about losing the Enterprise, but Spock grabs him and the two of them escape the bridge on the elevator. They go to auxiliary control and try to enlist Scotty's help in overriding the ship's controls, but Scott and his engineers are firmly under the children's control. Chekhov and two security guards attempt to arrest Kirk and Spock at phaser point, but they are able to fight their way out of it. Kirk finally manages to free the children of the Gorgon's evil influence and regain control of the Enterprise by replaying the taped rituals and summoning the Gorgon. With the help of these tapes, the children uh, see themselves playing with their parents. Kirk shows the children the Gorgon's wickedness in killing their parents. When the children cry and desert him, the Gorgon becomes disfigured and then disintegrates, chanting, Death to you all. So what's the fun fact? Well, the idea to cast noted plaintiff's lawyer Melvin Belli as Gorgon came when his son Cesar Belli was cast as Steve. Producer Freddie Freiberg hoped that the presence of Belli would boost ratings. This plan failed, and Freiberger realized it would have been more appropriate to cast a real actor in this role. While watching a first cut of this episode, Gene Roddenberry was so appalled by Belli's stilted performance and lack of acting talent, he ordered the producers to distort the Gorgon's voice and his appearance by covering up him in green glow as much as possible. So, uh, what are the compliance lessons from today? Well, Number one, how can you ask the right question? Asking the right question really comes from uh, not asking yes or no questions, but asking open-ended questions, but most importantly, being willing to answer and listen, uh, uh, listen to the answer, rather. So uh, use this technique to help you ask the right question. Uh, compliance lesson number two, leadership is really a conversation, and a part of the conversation is listening but there are other uh, components to this, and they include intimacy, interactivity, interactivity, inclusion, and intentionality. So how do you incorporate each one of these into your uh, leadership style? And then finally, tailoring your message for your compliance uh, audience going forward. How do you tailor your message to your employee base that will help them understand the message of compliance? I hope you'll join us again tomorrow where we take up the episode, Is There No Truth in Beauty? One of my personal favorites. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.